So children, now is the time to come on up here and join me up here on the platform. Love to have you join us. And uh, we got a little little chat we're going to have just between us. You guys, you older people, can listen in if you'd like. If you don't want to, um, I don't know what to tell you. But uh, so children, come on up. We'll go from there. All right, so come on up here. And I don't want to just sit down here and... uh, the question is: the question some of you are having right now is, will he get back up? Um, <laughs> I might. Please have a seat. It's great to see you. How are you ladies doing? Good. You look fantastic. I love the smiles, you know. You have great smiles. How are you? Good. Good. Good to see you. Please, it's, yeah, you can do, you, I don't bite. Jed, how are you, buddy? Good to see you, ma'am. So thanks for joining us up here. And how are you? You Okay. All right, good. I'm glad to hear that. Okay, so, so how many of you, now who is, let me ask you this, who is your favorite superhero? Who's your favorite superhero? Who? Marvel. Well, Marvel, yeah, there's a bunch of superheroes in the Marvel Universe, right? So pick, what was that? Captain Marvel. I'm sorry, Captain Marvel. Fantastic, that works. Superwoman. I'm sensing a little bit of a female focus here. Wonder Woman. There we go. Okay. So, do we have? Okay. So, so you've got that going on. Who else? Who are your favorite? Who's your favorite superhero? Me. You are your favorite superhero. That is awesome. That is fantastic. So, Jed, what about you? Who's your favorite superhero? Have any any particular one that you like more than others? No, not really. What makes a superhero, so let's just talk about what makes a superhero a superhero. What what is it that you like so much about these superheroes that you've picked? That they save people. That they save people. Now, how do they go about saving people? Give me an example. Give us an example. They fight to save people. Okay, they fight to save people, and they're always fighting somebody that's, that's trying to do harm or whatever the case may be, right? Okay, all right. What else do superheroes do? Anything else that they do? Is there any particular power that a superhero has that you wish you had? Um, yes? You, what was that? Okay, all right, so that works. Okay, so what else? Any other superpowers that you'd like to have? Flying. Flying. I knew somebody would say... Flying, x-rays, okay, x-ray vision, okay, that type of thing. Any other powers? Super speed. speed. Jed, I've seen you move. You're pretty close to super speed. You know, you move quickly, all right? So, So we have all these different things, but all of these little elements that, not little, but all these different traits that these superheroes have play very well in us understanding what it means to be a hero, correct? So... There are different people in your lives who are heroes, I bet. There are people, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's it's a teacher, maybe it's a neighbor, something like that. But you, yeah, in the neighborhood, exactly, thank you, that works. But what was that? Yeah, in the house, okay? So, so that really, I, I appreciate you guys interrupting me. That's good, okay? So, but heroic stuff, you understand what it means to be a hero, But there's one person we're going to talk about in a little while. His name is Abraham, all right? Many people people consider Abraham to be a great hero from the Old Testament, and he was. What was that? Abraham Lincoln? Abraham Lincoln. No, not Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) 
Okay, not a, I appreciate the clarification, but not Abraham Lincoln. Even though Abraham Lincoln is a great hero of this country. But we're going to talk about a guy who, we don't know what Abraham's last name is. Maybe somebody out there knows what his last name is. I don't know. But in the Bible, in Genesis 15, we look at this, we look at this person by the name of Abraham, and he became a hero for a lot of people known as the Jews. And he became a hero because he had faith. And then he points us in the direction of the ultimate hero who is, who would be the ultimate hero? Smart. Who? Smart. smart. Well, he's smart. Yeah, this guy's very smart. Who would be the ultimate hero? Any ideas? Powerful. Well, he's very powerful. He's very smart. He's very powerful. He's pretty quick. Okay. He has great vision. Anything else? He's kind. He's kind. You guys are hitting all the adjectives. What was that? Shazam, Shazam is not the right answer. <laughs> okay. All right. That's okay. That's a good answer, but it's not Shazam. Okay. So, so, so it's Jesus Christ. We're going to be talking about him today. All right. So Abraham is a great hero. All these, all the Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, and and all these other superheroes that we have are fantastic superheroes. And they came to do one thing, and that was to save people. But you know what Jesus Christ did? He saved everybody, all right? Didn't just save a particular portion of people. He saved everybody. And so we get to take a look at him today, all right? Does that sound good? You have any questions about heroes? All right, you're good to go, all right? So thanks for helping me out this morning. Appreciate that a lot, all right? So before we, before we uh, look at Shazam this morning, um, that was a great answer. That did, I did not anticipate that. Last week, uh, before we talk about Jesus Christ being the ultimate hero, and he is, one of the advantages that I have or, or we have as we go through a book of the Bible and slowly make our way through it is if there are things that I glossed over the week prior, I can take a few minutes and address those at the beginning of the message. And that's what we're going to do now. Last week, as we were talking through, uh, talking through that passage about Paul, Paul confronting, confronting Peter and, and how Peter was going off base, he brought up these things about identity. And I made this particular comment, and, and, and it resonated with people about their identity in Christ, and it's this, is that you are not who you think you are, you are who God thinks you are. And so before we hop into to this morning's passage, I want to talk about this identity, this identity that we have because of Jesus Christ. And when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, it changes everything, and one of the things that it changes is the way we identify who we are. Okay, does that make sense? And Dane Nix has helped me understand this a whole lot more. He and I get together periodically, and, and he's, he's really, God has used Dane in such a way to, to help me remember that my identity is not in who I think I am. My identity is in who God thinks I am. And it's, it's, it's somewhat revolutionized the way I view different things in life. And so I'm going to put, you're going to see up on the, on the screen here momentarily a list. And this is not an exhaustive list of how our identity has changed by Jesus Christ. Trust me, there are plenty of things that we could be talking about for quite a while, but, but I just want to give you this list. 
First off is this. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, your identity changes from being a sinner to a saint. That's what we come to find out in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That we're no longer sinners, we are now saints. The second thing is this. We move from having no hope to having eternal hope. That's what we find out in Colossians chapter 3 as, as, as Paul lays out to the Colossians that we now have this hope that, that endures forever and ever and ever. And then we also move from no purpose to having to being purposeful. No matter what your job is, or if you're in retirement, or if you're, if you're a parent, or if you're, if you're a child, whatever the case may be, you no longer are without purpose. You now have purpose, and that purpose is to live for Jesus Christ, is to bring him glory. We move from being a slave to now being free. We're no longer a slave to sin. We are free from sin's bondage. Now, granted, we still struggle with sin. There are still those times when we give in to sin. But we are free. We have the Holy Spirit who lives within us to make us free and to keep us free. We move from being unforgiven to being forgiven. You're forgiven. Past, present, future, all forgiven because of Jesus Christ. So often we forget that. So often we sit there and we want to go back and we want to, we want to deal with these sins that we've committed and we'll, we'll beat ourselves up over and over again. But because of Jesus Christ, we are now fully forgiven. We move from darkness to living in the light. We no longer are floundering in the darkness because the darkness is no more because Jesus Christ exposes the light for us so that we can see where we need to go. We move from old ways, old ways that can be destructive, old ways that are self-absorbed, old ways that, that sort of suck the life out of us. We move from old ways to new ways. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that the old is gone, the new has come. And then lastly, and this is one that I think re at least it resonates pretty deeply with me, is this, is that we move from being conquered to being more than conquerors. I was texting with some friends this morning about, about different things, and, and one of the things that, that I've observed in life is that it's real easy to play the role of a victim. Forgetting that Christ has set us free, forgetting that Christ has made us more than conquerors. And I'm not saying that things in life don't hurt us, and I'm not saying that things in life don't, don't cause us to, to, to be in pain. But yet, because of what Jesus Christ has done, because of his, our identity in him now, we are more than conquerors. And again, there's a, there are plenty of other items that, that deal with this identity because of what Jesus Christ accomplished for us. And I want, to, I want you to know this, that if you have any questions about this, if you're, if you're struggling through some stuff when it comes to this identity in Christ, first off, don't be afraid to shoot me an email. Don't be afraid to email me, call me at the church, whatever the case, or you can shoot me a text. You're not going to see my number up on the screen, but I'm going to give you my number right now. And I realize that some of you are going, I've been waiting to text him a bunch of emojis. Now I finally can. But my phone number is this, 
I share that with you because in the middle of the day, there might be something that comes up and all of a sudden you say, wow, I I have a question about this or I have a question about that. Please don't be afraid to text me. I really, I don't mind it at all. I would love to text. I would love to, to talk to you about this identity thing and I would love to talk to you about what Jesus Christ can do in the midst of it. And if you text me emojis, I'm not an emoji guy, but I'll try. But please, please know that I'm here to care. I'm here to help pastor us. I'm here to help us live out the faith in Jesus Christ. So that being said, I invite you now to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. As we take a look at this rich passage, this rich passage that, that we could be talking about for quite a long time. But today we're going to talk about it for a number of minutes. So in Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 1, we read these words. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited credited to it to him as righteousness. Sorry, that's hard to say. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things, excuse me, the person who does these things, I just lost my place, will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Father, we pray now as we come to this time of looking at your word We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes that we could see what it means to have faith, what it means to follow you and place our trust in you. We pray that you would open our ears so that we can hear from you what it is about our faith that you are constantly teaching us, that you would open our minds that we could understand more fully what it means to place our trust in you rather than in our works and that you would open our hearts in such a way that we would be transformed so that we who are trying to prove our worth to you 
would have hearts now that are set free because of placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, knowing that he is the one that we are to follow and that he has done all that we desperately need. And Father, I pray that no one would hear anything that I say, but only what it is that you want them to hear. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would receive all glory. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. The more time I spend reading through the book of Galatians, the more I find myself shaking my head at the Galatian people. I shake my head because I realize they're not getting it. I realize that how could they miss this so, so, so badly? And yet, as I shake my head at the Galatians, I then have to shake my head at myself because oftentimes I'm more like the Galatians than I care to admit. And you'll notice the way Paul starts us off in verse 1. He says, you foolish Galatians. He starts off, this is, a, this is not exactly a term of endearment. This is a very harsh way to address the Galatians. He calls them fools. And it's tempting for us to think, well, that's pretty mean. He shouldn't do that. But yet, correct me if I'm wrong, when you truly care for one another, and they do something that is foolish, it hurts you. It aggravates you. It causes you to say, what are you doing? There are many foolish things that can happen in life, and, and one of those things that, that ends up happening in our lives is, is, is perhaps we, it's foolish to think that a credit card company really has your best financial interest in mind. They want to convince you of that, but it's foolish to believe that. It's foolish to believe that there's something better than chocolate for dessert. You can believe that, but it's foolishness. It's foolish to think that you can get from here to San Jose in 45 minutes at 7.30 in the morning. It's foolish to believe, it's foolish to believe that your children need you as a friend rather than as a parent. There are all types of foolish things out there, and yet none of them compare to the foolishness of forgetting about Jesus Christ. Paul says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. The Galatians had forgotten all that they had in Jesus Christ. They had completely forgotten it. They had thought we can now go a different direction. We can now prove our worth to God. We can now prove that we are righteous. We can now prove by doing this, this, and this that we really are the people that he should love. Let me ask you this question. Have you become foolish in thinking that you can prove your righteousness to God? Have you fallen prey to thinking that you can do A, B, C, all the way through Z, thinking that you can now prove you're righteous before God? Rob talked about this a couple weeks ago when he was talking about the Judaizers and, and how they were saying Jesus Christ and what he did is not quite enough, but we need other things. You need to do this. You need to do that. 
So often we forget this, and what ends up happening is the foolishness comes down on us. It's foolish to believe that we can add to what Jesus Christ did for us. Paul says this over and over and over again, all throughout Galatians. And he says this in verse 2, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? Imagine growing up and, and imagine, try and place yourself in, in, a Galatian, in, in, a, in a Galatian mindset. And for all these years, their entire, their entire uh, life, they have been told you need to do this, 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 and this, and then God will care for you. Actually, the Galatians were Gentiles, and so it would be very difficult for them to grow up in that type of a mindset. But the Judaizers are wanting them to know that they have the history on their side, that they know how to prove their worth to God. So imagine growing up thinking that you need to do A, B, C, D, all the way through the alphabet to prove your worth, and then this guy named Paul shows up and says, you know what, Jesus Christ paid it all. You're free. That is a life-changing message. And Paul alerts them to that, and he says, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, by doing all these different things, or by believing what you've heard? And notice what he says at the end of verse 1. He says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Paul has told them very clearly what Jesus Christ did, what his death on the, on the cross means. And they understand that. They understood it then, but now something has happened, and they begin to veer off path. Are you veering off path? Are you veering in such a way that you're forgetting what Jesus Christ has done for you? what he's done for all of us. And then Paul, in my opinion, does what is arguably an amazing genius move. Because he knows his opposition. And he knows the Judaizers think Abraham is fantastic and heroic. And so Paul, look at verse 6. He introduces us to their hero, Abraham. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. In your Bibles, go all the way back to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15 is one of the most significant passages in all of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 15, we get to have this, we get to see this encounter that, that God has with Abraham. As God lays out what he's about to do, and, and there's this wonderful encounter between Abraham and God, and we pick it up in verse 1. Genesis 15, after this, the word of Yahweh came to Abraham, or to Abram, in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Yahweh, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So Abram, or Abraham, is in a, is in a pickle. He's saying, you're, you said that you're going to do all these great things, but, but yet I don't have any offspring. I don't have any children that can continue on my name. Help me understand how this is going to happen. Verse 4. 
Then the word of Yahweh came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is, of your, who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. Just count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram, who has no children, Abram, who is wondering how this is going to transpire, Abram is, ang- is, is anxiety-stricken somewhat by saying to God, listen, there's a problem here. How are you going to take care of it? And God tells him, you're going to have children. I'm going to take care of this. Your offspring are going to outnumber the stars in the sky. And then verse 6, so Abram believed Yahweh, and Yahweh credited it to him, sorry, as righteousness. Notice, Abraham didn't do any work at this point. God lays out the thing, and then Abraham doesn't say, hey, hold on, I need to prove that I'm worth this. I need to prove that I can do this. He simply accepts what God says, and he receives righteousness. The very hero of the Jews, Abraham, is a hero for faith. He's not a hero for working harder. He's a hero for faith. He's a hero because he's done, he's he's accepted what God has said to him. He realizes that on his own, he can do nothing. That he's supposed to have this incredible offspring, but yet, He can't do anything about that. He realizes that without God doing the work, without God rescuing him, it's over. There's there's a quote that's going to come up on the screen right now, and, and and it spoke to me a lot this week. Because Abraham experienced who God is, and he realized that there's no getting around this, that he's helpless without God's grace. It says this, the spiritual attitude of a person who is conscious that in themselves they have no strength and no hope of a future and who nevertheless nevertheless cast themselves upon and live by the word of God, which assures them of a future, is the necessarily and eternally right attitude of all souls to God. Those who have that attitude are at bottom right with God. When we accept the fact that we can't work for God's approval, when we accept the fact that he is the one who's doing all the work, when we accept that fact and trust in him, it makes us right with God. Abraham, or Paul's not done, so he introduces us to Abraham, and then he says this in verse 7, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So there's this issue going on with the Judaizers. They're wanting to separate the Gentiles and the Jews, and they've, they've done that separation. And then they also want to say to the Gentiles, listen, if you really want to be a real believer, you need to do what us Jews did and get circumcised. 
And Paul's saying, uh-uh, we're not going down that path. Because Abraham, your hero, your hero that you guys laud so much, your hero who I laud a great deal in my life, your hero had faith, not works. Yes, he lived out that faith, and, and you can say that, that those works showed how great of a person he was, but that those works came from his faith, not the other way around. What Paul's saying to them is this, is that everybody, everybody, Jews and Gentiles together, those who place their faith in Jesus Christ are all in the family. That's what he's saying here. He's saying this faith that Abraham has is so great, but the faith that these Gentiles have, they become part of that family as well. They're grafted in. That's what we're told in, in the book of Romans. And Paul addresses this. He wants them to know this, that God has always loved all of humanity, not just some of humanity. Verse 8, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Paul goes all the way back to Abraham and says, the gospel was presented to Abraham. Now, I'm not exactly a history buff, but Abraham was in existence thousands of years before Jesus Christ came on the scene. Abraham was in existence, and Paul says this, the good news of God's love for humanity was shared a long time ago. This good news that changes everything. This good news that tells us that God cares for everybody. This very good news that God cares for all was shared a long time ago. Your hero, Abraham, understood that good news. And that same good news is the good news that these Gentiles now have as well. What Paul is saying is, as everybody is part of this family, those who place their trust in Jesus Christ, he's reminding these Judaizers, these false teachers, that God cares more about humanity than we could ever imagine. And that goes for you and me today. Every single person you meet matters to God. Your coworkers, your classmates, your family members, your neighbor who lives across the street and always is doing these projects that keep you up at all hours of the night, the server at the restaurant you're about to go to for lunch today, the person who may have taken your seat this morning at church, the driver who cuts you off as you're driving down the road, every single person matters to God, every single one. And when we realize that, it changes the way we look at things. And Paul is saying, look back at this gospel message, this gospel message that was first presented in Genesis chapter 15, that God cares for all of humanity. And that care is extended to the one who places their trust in Jesus Christ. You can't prove that you're worth caring for. God already cares for you. 
You can't prove it by doing this, this, and this. You can't do it. And Paul is saying that again and again. Look what he says in verse 9. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The hero you Judaizers are talking about, this hero, you know what? He was blessed, and so are those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. But he's not done. He then moves from their hero to the hero. Verse 10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law, is not based, it, the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us, and I love the way he connects this. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Paul now says, I'm moving away from Abraham, your hero, to the ultimate hero, Jesus Christ. All of us have different heroes in our lives. One of my heroes is my mom. I got to see her a couple weeks ago, and she's still, she's still a remarkable lady. Her resiliency blows my mind. Her willingness to, to be positive about things that have happened in your life blows my mind. I love my mom. She's phenomenal. Hope one day you get to meet her, and you'll be annoyed by her good-naturedness just like I am quite often. But my point is this. My, mom's, my mom can't save me. Your hero can't save you. You heard these children up here talking about superheroes, Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel, Shazam. You heard about these different superheroes. They can't save you. Paul is saying to the people, to these Judaizers, to the Galatians, you have these different heroes and, and, you, and you, th you laud Abraham as a hero and justifiably he is a hero, but he is not the hero. We need to look to Jesus Christ. We need to look to that one. And you'll notice what he does here in verses 10 to 14. You'll notice there are a ton of Bible quotes in here. And a real quick tangent and then we'll come back. One of my desires as pastors, as a pastor is to help you understand Scripture better. And what Paul gives us here in verses 10 to 14 is a way that we get to understand Scripture better. And I call it Understanding the Bible 101. And here's what happens. Scripture interprets Scripture. It always does. Scripture interprets Scripture. So Paul says, I'm going to show you all these different verses, you guys, and I'm going to let you know this is the way Scripture is to be interpreted. It is interpreted by other Scripture. Does that make sense? So when you have a question about a particular passage, see what the rest of the Bible has to say about that particular issue that's being raised. Scripture interprets Scripture. If you have questions, don't be afraid to text me. You have my number now. Don't be afraid to text me. But the other thing is this, is that Paul knows this, that Scripture speaks abundantly clearly about 
God caring for humanity and its ultimate fulfillment is found in the hero of the faith, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the one who saves us all. Look what he says here. He says this, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. That's verse 1. And then he comes down into these verses 10 to 14. And look at verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Jesus Christ took on the curse so that those who trust in him won't have to take on the curse ever. The curse being complete abandonment from God. The curse being eternal separation from God. Jesus Christ took on that curse. He was was put on that cross. He died on the cross. And we're told that that he descended. We're told that when he died, he was put in the grave. And one of the issues that Jesus Christ had before he was crucified, knowing that that, that what he's about to experience, he says this as he's in the garden. He says, take this cup from me. The hardest thing that Jesus Christ went through wasn't necessarily the nails going through his flesh. The hardest thing that Jesus Christ went through was for the very first time in his eternal existence, separation from God was going to be experienced. And that's a whole other topic that would take a whole lot of time to talk about. But that's what concerned him greatly. And Jesus Christ took that curse so that you and I wouldn't have to. And Paul says, that's a hero to believe in. That's a hero to place our trust in. And so as we wrap this up, and look what he says in verse 14, he says, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The hero does what needs to be done for us so that we can then, even if we have mustard seed faith, we can be rescued. We can be rescued. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up now, and and as they're coming up and getting ready, I want us to consider what it means to have that kind of a mustard seed faith. By placing our faith not in what we do, but in who Jesus Christ is, the hero of the faith. The hero of our faith, the hero that says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. A faith that rescues us from being cursed to now being blessed. A faith that moves us from sinner to saint. Think about all that happens by placing one's faith in Jesus Christ. Does your life need to be moved today? It won't be moved by doing A through Z and good works. It is moved by the grace of God working in the midst of your faith in Jesus Christ. He moves us because he cares about us. Father, we pray as we think through this. Lord, would you have mercy on us for the countless times that we've fixed our eyes not on Jesus Christ, but on our works and our trying to prove our worth to you. 
Father, we know that we have worth to you because you sent Jesus Christ, the one who took on the curse so that we wouldn't have to, the one who paid the price that we could never pay. And Lord, as we contemplate and think through this, we take a look at each one of our lives, we take a look at our own lives, and we ask that your grace would envelop us, that your grace would awaken us and move us from foolish thinking into wholesome thinking that says Jesus Christ is my hero. He's the one I will follow. Lord, as we sing these next songs, may we sing them to bring glory to you. And may we sing them as an act of of appreciation for all that you've done for us in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand as we sing these next couple songs.